If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Games with Bill. This is uh, August 17th, 2022. We are on episode 699 of the show. I cannot believe that we have 699 episodes of this. It's absolutely crazy. I'm going to just let everybody know ahead of time that uh, you can watch the video version of this show live over on my YouTube channel, which is found over at youtube.tv slash nerdnest. Uh, I record this on, um, usually it's going moving forward, usually it's going to be on Thursdays, and it's going to be around 4.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern because that's what time it works best for me. And uh, in the past, after I finished the live show, I had been making the the video um, for members only. That's not going to be the case anymore. Now it's just going to be part of the feed. We'll see uh, how YouTube's algorithm uh, reacts to that. But if you're not listening to this or watching this on the YouTube channel, then you're probably listening in your favorite, favorite podcast player, in which case I want to say thank you. And if everybody who's watching on YouTube could subscribe to the podcast, that would be awesome. It would really, really help out. And if you are listening to the podcast, then please subscribe on YouTube. With all that being said, Let's get started with the show. I want to start off by saying a big thank you to everybody who's been sending in topics via nerdnest.tv slash submit. Uh, That's how you get topics on the show. You guys send them in to me using that form, nerdnest.tv slash submit, and then we talk about all of the things that you send in. And before we get to the topics that you guys have sent in, I want to take the beginning of today's episode And talk about a game that I played this week, and that is Cult of the Lamb. Um, I picked this up on Steam. I think it's also on Nintendo Switch as well as Xbox and PlayStation. I'm not sure about PlayStation. I am sure about the other ones. Um, Cult of the Lamb is really, really cool. And it is the perfect game to play on a portable device. Because it has these uh, distinct little micro sections of game, which usually you can accomplish in like 10 minutes. So if you've got 10 minutes to do something, you grab your your device, you play it for a little bit, 10 minutes later, you can move on to something else. Uh, I really like the way that they vary the gameplay. I did a live stream of it on my YouTube channel yesterday. And the way that they vary the gameplay is there's uh, crusades that you can go on, which will have like, that's where the, the combat is. And then... The other part of the game is like this little management sim where you have all of these followers for your cult and you tell them, hey, you're going to go cut down trees. You're going to go get stoned. You're going to make the raw materials into better materials. You're going to worship at the temple. You're going to go on a on a little adventure on your own 
so that you can bring back raw resources. And you've you've got that management set, uh, set. and then you also have a way to uh, play like a little tabletop game. I think it's called Knuckle Bones, where you roll dice against another uh, against an opponent, and uh, that's really fun. And then there's a fishing mini game, and I, I'm sure that there are other mini games that I have not yet run into. Uh, but that's basically what this game is. It is a collection of mini games with this with this. Uh, overall theme of building up your cult by progressing through a whole bunch of different tech trees. You have your combat tech tree, you have your worship tech tree, you have your, uh, tech, um, your, uh, like, uh, faith tech tree. Well, I already said that one. Uh, you got a bunch of different tech trees and as you play through the game, you make choices. And when you make those choices, you can't pick the other one, which means that the game has a lot of replay value. And it has even more replay value because the crusades that you go on are randomly generated, as is almost everything in the game. So I I don't want to go into too much more detail because I probably only have about 10 hours in the game so far. But I'm absolutely loving Cult of the Lamb. And if you have uh, a place to pick that game up, you absolutely want to. I think... I picked it up on sale on Fanatical, so it may still be on sale. Uh, I'm not sure if it is, but uh, I picked it up, and I'm really, really enjoying the game. Kodiak Moonwolf in chat says, It reminds me of Moonlighter, where you have the roguelike dungeons and then the management side of it. And I would absolutely agree with that, with the exception I've said many times that I'm not a fan of Moonlighter uh, because I don't like worrying about how much this item should cost for the store. Uh, This doesn't have that issue. You are just managing your various, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Currencies. You've got a bunch of currencies. Like you've got coins, you've got wood, you've got brick, you've you've got all of these different things and you have to manage those in order to keep the people in your, um, in your cult happy. And it also has a beautiful art style and really, really fun gameplay. And I've been playing it mostly at 60 frames per second on the Steam Deck uh, using low settings. I I did try Ultra, and that was fine for the most part. But sometimes you go into, like, big rooms where there's lots of stuff, or you go back into your town once you've built a bunch of stuff. And the frame rate kind of takes a hit, so I ended up moving it down to to lower levels. visuals. Anyway, that's the thing that I wanted to talk to talk about off the top of the show. But now let's move on to the topics that you all sent in by heading to nerdnest.tv slash submit. And the first one that comes in to us today is from Gabe. They said, Nerdnest, hey, I found your channel because of the on deck show. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Uh, You mentioned that you had been playing multiverses. I saw that we have new characters coming, Black Adam and Stripe. In addition to Rick and Morty, my favorite show, by the way, are coming as well. Anyway, are you still playing multiverses? Who's your main? And did you get the battle pass? Also, what are your top five characters you'd like to see added to the game? For me, it has to be Scooby-Doo. How can you have Shaggy without Scoob? And a big thank you to Gabe. And they said, not that Gabe, uh, (laughs) which is funny. Uh, for sending in that topic. And yeah, we've got uh, new characters coming to multiverses. We've got Black Adam and Stripe. Now, I went into, like, I loaded the game up and I looked for 
uh, Black Adam and Stripe, and I can't find them in the collections. And the reason why is because it's like the patches are like a phased rollout, and so you're not going to see everything all at once. And here's exactly what they said about this. They said, Devs Player First have said uh, that Season 1 patch will arrive in two stages over the next few days, with the initial part arriving today. Not every change coming is going to be immediately obvious in the game because of the staggered patching. So right now, or at least when I looked, you could not find Black Adam and Stripe to pick them up. I don't have enough coins saved up to pick them up yet. I ha- I am still playing multiverses in order to uh, answer your question there. Uh, I'm really, really enjoying that game. It's so fun. I really like, like, okay, it is a Smash clone, and Smash has an infinitely better roster, and Smash has, I'm going to say, uh, much better graphics, in my opinion, I, I know that it's on the limited Nintendo Switch, but when you compare uh, multiverses to uh, Smash, the detail in Smash is so much better. That being said, I don't care. Um, I don't like pause the game and look at the detail to begin with. I just play the game, and while the you know the detail that's in the characters in Smash m- makes them look almost uh, what. Um, more, I don't want to say more detailed. I can't think of the word that I'm trying to say. It makes them look better, but that's really only when it's paused. And the action in a game like Multiverses and like Smash is so fast and frenetic that it doesn't really matter how good the graphics are. And the thing that I like about Multiverses more than Smash is the the big, bold outlines that are surrounding the characters. I talked about this, uh, I think, last episode. It makes it so much easier to keep track of what's going on on the screen, like I said, because it's really, really frantic. So I I am still playing it. My main is Velma, um, but I only really have played with two, uh, three characters. I played with Wonder Woman because she was the first one. She's really good, by the way, or at least she was before the patch. I don't know if they've nerfed her or whatever. Um, I played with Bugs Bunny. And then I picked up Velma. And Velma so, so far has been my favorite. She's got a cool lock-on mechanic where she can like lock on to an enemy and then send her little jinkies speech bubbles at them. And they'll chase them around the, the, the board until they run into you. So I like that a lot. Um, I haven't bought the Battle Pass. I haven't uh, invested any money at all into multiverses. And if they keep bringing out the the different characters, I probably will end up investing money of some kind into the game because I will want to unlock a character or something. Overall, I think that Multiverses is fantastic. Now, they asked, what are my top five characters that I want to see the most of? I don't want to do a top five list. I think that takes too long to do. Uh, What I will say is one character that I would really like to see is Yosemite Sam. I would love to see Yosemite Sam get up there. Uh, You know, he's got guns, he's got his big mustache, he's got his big hat, and he's really, really short, and his arch nemesis Bugs Bunny's in there. I think that that would be just hilarious to get Yosemite Sam in multiverses. The question goes to all of you. What are your top five characters that you want to see come to multiverses? I'm very curious about that. And the next thing I will say 
is I rem- one of my favorite things about Nintendo Directs in the era of Smash Ultimate was, are they going to unveil a new Smash character during this Nintendo Direct? And now we get to continue to have that. Now that, now that Smash is essentially over, we get to continue to have that, that who are we going to get next feeling from multiverses. And I think, I think that that is very, very cool. All right. With that all out of the way, let's move on to our second topic. And our second topic comes into us from John. John says, hey, Bill, love the show. Been listening since episode 30 of Nintendo Switchcraft. A game I've really been looking forward to is Metal Slug Tactics. As a kid, I poured quarters into my local SNK machine to play Metal Slug. I loved the goofy animations. I was disappointed to hear that they are delaying the game, though. The Metal Slug art style mixed with turn-based tactics game? Sign me up. Anyway, what are your favorite tactical games? And perhaps I can that perhaps I can play in the meantime. As you always say, stay rad, John. Well, John, thank you so much for sending that in. Yeah, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Metal Slug Tactics got announced during, I, I believe it was during a Indie Direct. I could be wrong about that. Or it, maybe it was a, a partner showcase for Nintendo. But it got announced, and uh, when they showed it off, I was very, very excited for that. I'm bullish on that game because I love tactics-style games, especially grid-based tactics-style games. And um, I, I'm just like John, I really like the art style for Metal Slug. In fact, one of the... One of the first games that I ever tried to emulate on a computer was Metal Slug because it was so cool. And I know when I was growing up, uh, I didn't have a Neo Geo. And I think I met one kid at school that had a Neo Geo, but we really didn't hang out. So I never I never got to play that. I only really played that game in the arcade. And then eventually I found a Neo Geo emulator and I uh, tried it out and I loved I loved that game. Uh, but when they showed off the the um, the Metal Slug tactics, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be really, really cool. And uh, it, it is sad that it's being delayed. Here's here's what they had to say. This is from a uh, an official tweet. They said, Marco, Eri, Fio, and Tarma are tinkering away to make Metal Slug tactics as explosive as possible on release. But the squad needs a bit more time in the shop to prepare for the battles ahead. See you in 2023. So that's, I mean, boy, they're pushing us all the way out to next year. And that's pretty disappointing, but I would prefer that they take their time and get it right rather than launch with a flawed game. And I've said a million times on the show before, you can have games that have a flawed launch. And those games can come back from it. For example, Elder Scrolls Online, Final Fantasy XIV, um, the space one. Somebody in chat, please remind me what's the one in space where you go to space and it has all the planets and stuff. Uh, somebody in chat will let me know in a second. Um, those games all launched fairly terrible in really, really poor state. And the devs put their heads down. Thank you, people in chat are telling me it's No Man's Sky. Um, yes, that's the game I was thinking of. Uh, the, the devs put their heads down and they worked really hard in order to improve their game. And it worked. Those games, No Man's Sky, Final Fantasy XIV, Elder Scrolls Online, and I'm sure that there's others. Please let me know in chat uh, other, other games that, that launched poorly and ended up doing well. 
Uh, but there's 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 a lot of examples where that worked out. But there's a lot more examples where it didn't work out. And it, because the game launched poorly, nobody ever gave it a second chance. And that's what could happen with a game like Metal Slug Tactics. So I'm glad that they're delaying it. I have so many games to play right now anyway. doesn't really matter. Um, so I don't have to worry about the idea that uh, that I can't play that game this year. Take your time, get it right, and when it's ready, we'll be able to play it. Uh, I personally am really looking forward to that. All right, let's move on to our third main topic today. And our third main topic comes to us from Simon J. They said, Bill, I love horror games. My favorite horror games are Soma and Dead Space. I haven't played either of those, by the way. When I was a teenager, I remember playing Alone in the Dark on my PC. And I just saw that the devs that made Soma are making a new Alone in the Dark game. I have two questions. What are your favorite horror games? And have you played the original Alone in the Dark? Will you be picking up the new one, Simon J? Uh, Simon, thank you so much for sending that in. Well, first off, yes, I, I did play the original Alone in the Dark. I had it on my PC. I remember we ha- I had an apartment with some, some friends of mine in college. And in the corner of our living room was my desk with my PC on it. And I remember one day we were, we had a a party and we had a bunch of people over. And then the next day I woke up and I came out of my bedroom and I saw one of my friends, he didn't live with us, um, but he was, he was there and (laughs) he was sitting at my computer playing alone in the dark. And I asked, I was like, well, (laughs) he looked beat. And I said, well, how long have you been up? And he said, I've been playing this ever since the party ended, like at two in the morning or whatever. Uh, he he sat there and played it all night. He actually got further in the game than I did because if you've watched the show for any length of time, then you know I am very, very distractible. Like I see a shiny thing and I don't have the attention span to stick with games for long enough to get that payoff, especially long drawn out games. So I did play Alone in the Dark. I really liked Alone in the Dark, but I never finished Alone in the Dark. And that's what they are. Uh, the news that we're talking about here is that Video Games 24-7 has dropped this uh, information out. Durketto Manor, the setting for the first Alone in the Dark game, had both character and backstory. That's why we wanted to go back. At least that's, that's why we wanted to go back, at least in some way. Hedberg explains during the preview, but we also wanted to understand its time and place. It takes place in Louisiana, not your typical New England location or other horror titles have used. The Southern Gothic element has its own flavor. It's just not explored very much in games. And I I would agree with that. I'm looking forward to this game quite a bit. I really like the original one and I've been getting more interested in horror games lately. So this is definitely one that I want to check out. My guess, it just got announced. It's going to be a while before it comes out, probably the end of 2023 or maybe even 2024. Depends on how close they've been playing their cards to their chest. That's something to, to think about too. Now, they asked, what are my favorite um, my favorite horror games? Uh, my two, oh boy, it's hard to say favorite. Okay, my favorite horror game is Alien Isolation. 
Um, I picked that up actually twice, I think. I've played it on PC, and I also have it on PS4. That game is a masterpiece in scaring you. Um, one of the one of the fav- my favorite moments in the game, like it's not even a jump scare. Like I'm just wandering through this room, and the alien walks into the room, and I'm so scared that like I was live streaming this at the time back when I was streaming on Twitch, and I just kind of made a little eh, like this little scared sound as I try and sneak away from the alien. It is super creepy. That game really had its hooks in me. And I played all the way through to the end and loved every second of it. I feel bad that I never went and played the DLC though. But like when I finally finished it, I was like, okay, that was really scary. And I'm happy to have it behind me because I don't want to feel like that again. You fast forward to, I think it was last year or maybe, yeah, it was last year. I was playing Resident Evil 7 And I was playing Resident Evil 7 with my wife in the room. And man, oh man, everything, like all of the the scariness that happens to me, the player, is also happening to her. But then when she gets scared and screams, it scares me again. So there's like this double scare feedback loop, which made it really, really cool. Now, that game I didn't finish. And the reason that I didn't finish, I think that... She and I got stuck. We couldn't figure out where to go next, and we kept wandering around the same place again. And I didn't want to play it without her because we were having so much fun playing it. So I never did get back to that game, and I I really, really should because it's awesome. And I I have Resident Evil Village. I own it. I I have yet to play it because we want to finish Resident Evil 7 first. And then I also have Resident Evil 2 on my PS5. So... I have a lot of scary games that I need to play, but those like those are my favorites. I really, really do like those. And um, boy, I think the scariest game has to be Resident Evil 7 for me of the ones that I've played. But my favorite has to be um, Alien Isolation. I just think that that game is just so fantastic. Um, Frank Rivera in chat says RE7 is uh, stressful. Kodiak Moonwolf in chat says, oh, the Twitch clips for Alien Isolation. And yeah, if you uh, if you want to see those Twitch clips, join our community Discord. And uh, there's like some commands that you... I can't remember what the commands are. Somebody will tell you. Uh, there's commands that you can type in. It'll send you the Twitch clips so you can see the moments when I got scared uh, from way, way back in the day. Uh, but yeah, I... I love Alien Isolation. That game is absolutely fantastic. Oh, and while you're at the community Discord, uh, we're always giving away games and stuff. So make sure you you get in there and join. All right, let's move on to our fourth main topic for today. And our fourth main topic for today comes to us from Cortana. Hi, Cortana. Uh, They said, Bill, Microsoft finally told us how many Xbox Ones were sold last gen. And it was half of the PS4s that were sold. Do you think that Microsoft is very far behind PlayStation this time around? I bought an Xbox, but I'm worried they won't sell enough again. Cortana. Well, Cortana, I, I got to say, I wouldn't worry about how many you're selling. Like the theme of my YouTube channel is gaming discussion without console wars, right? So this isn't about console wars. And I, and I know that that's not really where you were going there. 
But I wouldn't worry. And the reason I wouldn't worry is because Microsoft, they have a lot of first-party studios. And the only reason that you would worry about buying a box to put underneath your TV is if you were afraid that no games would come out for it. And that's a that's a valid thing to be concerned about. As far as the big ones, Microsoft and PlayStation and Nintendo, I don't think that that's something you have to concern yourself with because they're so big and there's so many games. You're always going to have stuff to play. Now, can you play everything? Unless you have all of the boxes, no, you can't play everything. But... If you played, I don't think I don't think that it's possible for a person, one person. I don't think it's possible for one person to play every game on a platform, like to go through and spend the time playing every single game that's on your Xbox or every single game that's on your PlayStation or your Nintendo Switch or obviously not PC because there's way more games there. So worrying about it is a waste of your time. I always tell people this. Worrying about it is worrying about anything is always a waste of time because here's what you should do instead. A, if you're worried about something and you can do something about it, then just do it. And if you're worried about something and you can't do something about it, then stop worrying about it because you can't do anything about it. So I, I wouldn't worry. That being said, uh, what they sent in was very interesting. Back in 2016, Microsoft stopped reporting sales figures of the Xbox One but recent documents from the company have confirmed how little the console sold compared to the PS4. Now, as reported by The Verge, in some documents filed to Brazil's national competition regulator, uh, by the way, they're doing the, the national competition, uh, competition regulator because Microsoft is trying to purchase Activision Blizzard and they want to make sure that they're not going to be doing monopolistic stuff, that kind of thing. Um, Sales figures of the Xbox One were less than half of the PlayStation 4. And that comes to us from Video Game 24-7. Now, oof, that's not good. That's not good for the Xbox One. But guess what? If you're somebody who had an Xbox One, my guess, you had a lot of fun with that system. And it doesn't. It, at the end of the day, it didn't matter that it sold half. So... Again, I wouldn't worry about that. Now, as far as Xbox being behind or in front of the PlayStation 5, I have no idea. I own all three systems and a PC, so I'm not the right person to ask about this. But what I will say is what I've kind of already said before. There's so many games to play. You can't play all of them. So don't worry about that fear of missing out because even if you do miss out on something, you're not going to be missing out on everything. Like there's going to be plenty of things for you to play. And I, I just wouldn't worry about that. Um, Joel Mead in chat says, Phil Spencer has stated that the business itself isn't even about how many consoles you sell anymore. It's a platform, not a box. And I 100% agree with that because there's a lot of people who give Microsoft money every single month and they don't have an Xbox. I'm one of them. My son does not have an Xbox. He subscribes to uh, PC Game Pass because he has a PC. And the thing that you have to remember is exactly what Phil Spencer has said and Joel Mead pointed out in chat. It's a platform, not a box. And I think that that's a really, really good thing. Uh, Athen Immortal 
said Xbox One era started in the hands of Don Matrick, who made some bad choices. Phil Spencer has overseen the rise and restoration of Xbox. I'm very assured of his intentions and ability to do so. Thank you so much for sending in that uh, comment, Athen Immortal. Immortal, keep those comments coming. I really do appreciate it. Let's move on to our fifth and final topic today. And our fifth and final topic today comes in to us from Alex. They said, hey, Bill, Microsoft has claimed Sony pays for blocking rights to stop developers from adding their content to Xbox Game Pass. I think that this is a bad thing. I want games to be available on every platform or service. And uh, Alex, I 100% agree with you that I want every game to be available on every platform so that the people who want to play the games can play the games in the places that they want to play them on as long as the game will run on said system. I understand that there's going to be some games that can't run on the Nintendo Switch because the Nintendo Switch power um, uh, hardware is a little under um, is very underpowered at this point. Um, that being said, as long as hardware can run the game, I want the game uh, everywhere that it can be. And for those of you that are wondering what it is that they're talking about, this is from The Verge. Uh, And this is a quote from Microsoft. It says, considering that exclusivity strategies have been at the core of Sony's strategy to strengthen its presence in the games industry, and that Sony is a leader in the distribution of digital games, Sony's concern with the possible exclusivity of Activision's content is incoherent, to say the least. Basically saying, basically what Microsoft is saying here is, uh, hello, pot, this is kettle. You're black. Or did I get kettle? This is pot. I can never remember. Um, This is the pot calling the kettle black here. And guess what? They all do it. I've talked about this for years. I call it money hatting a game. I don't know where I came up with that term originally, or maybe I stole it from somebody at some point. But basically, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, Epic Games, Steam, all of them, every single one of them, they go to a publisher and they say, here's a hat full of money. Don't put your game on a competitor's platform ever or for a year or for six months, whatever. They all do it. Every single platform holder does this behavior. So the idea that Sony is paying to block games from coming to Game Pass, well, guess what? Microsoft pays publishers to not put their games on PlayStation. All they're substituting in here is Game Pass. And so I don't really think that it's that big a deal. Do I think that they should continue to do that? No, I think that they should stop doing that because it's stupid. Is it good business sense? It's absolutely good business sense for them to do that. And so they're going to continue doing it. As a consumer, I don't want them doing that stuff. So in a perfect world, every game would be available everywhere. Is Sony being uh, uh, bad for taking, uh, you know, handing money to a dev and saying, don't put this on Game Pass? Yeah, they are. Are they within their rights? Yup. Are they alone in doing it? Absolutely not. So I don't think that this isn't like the big gotcha that a lot of people thought it was, but it still does suck. You know what I mean? Um, Athen Immortal says, this appears to be more than Sony first-party studios. The accusation was that Sony was paying devs and third-party studios to just not take the Xbox Game Pass money from what I understand. Yeah, and that's perfectly fine. I don't like it, 
But that's the same thing. That's the same thing as Microsoft paying a third-party dev to not put their game on an opposing platform. Um, in your base says uh, it's up to the devs whether they think they can fine-tune to whatever specifications they feel uh, capable of. Joel Mead says, I think it's only fair to blame the third parties that agreed to the deals. I 100% agree with that. Uh, Brian East says, Microsoft being ubiquitous with gaming is a great sense, but at the same time, they need to be compensations to consider. And then Brian East also said, exclusivity allows for fine-tuning specifications for a given game. The more hardware variations you need to account for the less specific you can be to the development. And while I do agree with that, that, that absolutely makes sense what you're saying. You also have to remember that a lot of these, um, these third parties are just using like unity or, or unreal engine. Like they're using this third party engine in, in going from one platform to two or three platforms. Isn't as big a deal as it used to be because of those third party engines. So, I don't think that that's that big of a deal. Anyway, uh, that's that's how I feel about it. In, in a perfect world, games would be available everywhere. This is not a perfect world, so we have to deal with exclusivity from time to time, which I personally am not a fan of. All right. So uh, Kodiak Moonwolf in, in chat says, from the future of the podcast, looks like there isn't a specific sale for Cult of the Lamb on Fanatical. But it does look like there might be a 15% discount available there. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Thank you very much for that callback there, Kodiak. I, I do appreciate it. All right, everybody. That is it for today's episode of Games with Bill. If uh, you are listening to this and you have yet to head on over to the YouTube channel, please do. I would love to see you over there for the live shows. The live shows are in the future are going to be scheduled for Thursday at 4.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern over at my YouTube channel. If you are interested in getting this show ad-free without any ads in it at all, head on over to my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash run, jump, stomp. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. You are awesome, and I will see you next time. Stay rad, everybody. Stay rad, everybody.